Hey guys, what's going on? And welcome back to another episode of Brother Love in the District. It's been a little bit, but we're finally back and ready to be back with another episode. So we got quite a bit going on in this episode. Jacob, if you want to go ahead and tell them what's going on. So in the NFL, there's obviously preseason and we are going to do our little overview of this week is going to be Washington and talk about their offseason and draft and how we think it went, how we think they'll do. And baseball... Um, the Phillies have fell off significantly. It just seems like out of nowhere, they just became the same old Phillies. And the Braves are going to look like they're going to be top of the division again. And in hockey, there's not much going around. They're, it's really a dead point in the season. Um, but on a side note, Henrik Lundqvist did, reti- did retire recently. So let's get right into it. Yeah, right into it. Um. We'll start off, we'll do the Washington overview last just because that'll probably be a bulk of what we talk about. And we'll start off with the preseason. And uh, coming from the Eagles, the one thing I do want to say is I don't think people understand how little preseason actually matters. Like the amount of people who are telling me how bad we got destroyed by the Patriots are is unreal. Like preseason doesn't matter it is that second third fourth fifth stringers even people who are going to get cut in a week because the on tuesday yeah this upcoming tuesday they have to be from 80 down to 53 so they have to cut 27 people within the next five days uh i don't think people understand that it's just preseason it doesn't really matter the lions and the browns the only two teams in nfl history to go zero and 16 both went uh, 4-0 in their preseasons. So that that should go to show what it means. Uh, and in that game, Jalen Hurts was out, so he didn't get to throw the ball at all. Miles Sanders touched the ball twice, so like it's, it's nothing important. But we did get to see Devontae Smith. And, dude, Devontae Smith's route running is so nasty. It Oh, my gosh. It is. Did you see the one video where he put the one corner on his butt? Yeah, no, I don't watch even preseason highlights. It, well, I mean, it was on Sports Center, ESPN. Like it was, it was something that was all over the place because it was such a nasty route. But yeah, Devontae Smith showed off his route running. Uh, and then Tyree Jackson, who was a tight end that the Eagles really liked because with Zach Ertz still pending, what's going to happen with him being tra- getting traded and all? Uh, we. It's not like he was really great at blocking, but we could focus Dallas Goddard into the pass game and then take this guy, Tyree Jackson. He was a quarterback at Buffalo, um, University of Buffalo and the Bills, and then he switched over to tight end. He's 6'7 and 250 pounds, uh, and they wanted him for blocking, but he's out eight to ten weeks with a back fracture. And so they're they're trying to figure out how to get him on the roster because they had a guy last year, Noah Togiai, who is supposed to be a really good tight end for them. Uh, who they cut him at the end of the season because they wanted to bring him back on the practice squad and the Colts claimed him. So they're trying to like play a little, they're going to have to play a little bit of a roster tango here where maybe they cut Mike or not Mike Richards, uh, Richard Rogers and cut him for a day just to bring him back. Cause they know no one else will take him. So we'll see what happened there. But I think we, that's pretty much all that the Eagles got going on. They got a couple 
couple things going on. Quez Watkins looked like he was going to, is going to be the fifth receiver. His hype is a little too much though. He, uh, he still has to learn a lot before he can actually play in the NFL. Travis Fulgham is having a really tough time and they have to see him really come out of the gate. Otherwise his roster spot might be in danger. Uh, but I mean, yeah, that's really all that's going on in uh, Philadelphia. We can tie in your preseason into the Washington overview. Yeah. But, um, in terms of Washington, um, our offense, it, it's, it, it's worrying me a significant amount. Um, we've been able to move the ball very, very good. We've been able to get the ball down the field quite quickly. Um, but when we've come up to the red zone, we just haven't been able to get it done. Ryan Fitzpatrick overthrew touchdowns, like at least three of them. What did I say? I'm just saying. I, what um, did I is, say about Ryan Fitzpatrick? It, it is the preseason, and we obviously need to see. But on the other hand, our defense—it it looks game ready. We've been—it's been looking very, very good. It's—it's it's going to be sloppy September football, that's for sure. Like the first yeah. month is going to be brutal to watch. Like it—it it won't be as bad as last year because if you remember, last year was awful. Like there it were started how, off nice for us though. There were how many there were how many ACL tears in the first week? Like the there is at least two. I know Nick Bosa. I want to say Saquon toured in week one too. I thought I thought I didn't think that was week one, but I know he did tear his early on. It it must have been. It was no later than week three, but I thought he did it in week one. Uh, and then Christian McCaffrey went out with an ankle injury in week one. Like the amount of injuries that happened in week one last season was awful. But it's going to be an ugly September. But on the other hand, for Washington's offense, I think we have found kind of a diamond in the rough. Jared Patterson, who's a um, who's one of our running backs, he undrafted, undrafted free undrafted. agent. He had a hundred um total purpose yards in our game against the Bengals. Yeah, Bengals. Thank you. And he looks like he has a roster spot. And good thing we cut. One of my least favorite players, Stephen Sims Jr. I'm glad he, we cut him. Like that man, he didn't really catch any passes and would always drop kick returns. So that's a good move on Washington's part. Yeah, Jared Patterson looking like a real – he's going to be a good backup for Antonio Gibson, kind of a changeup in the backfield. With Yeah, and like we can switch between him and um, J.D. McKissick if we want another back in there. Yeah. Uh, and then also St. Juice is looking pretty good for you guys, isn't he? Yeah, he's looking very good. I, I heard a lot of good things about him in um, preseason and um, training camp. And, but, yeah, he's looking like a very, very good addition. And Jamin Davis has, was looking pretty decent. But we've kind of put him in that um, quarterback of the defense role where he's going to be calling all the plays, making, on the, making all the reads on our defense as that kind of roaming linebacker. But it will definitely be interesting to see how our offense plays. And I think we should consider getting them out there for this final preseason game because we need to get our offense in gear if we want to win some games. The, that, and that's another thing that they have to focus on with only having, a, only having three preseason games is it's hard to judge now where who's going to play where because usually – in the third, uh, they still play a little bit, and then they play, and then the starters don't play at all in the last week. Yeah. Like, week three was usually the dress rehearsal, 
and week four was fighting for um, roster spots, but it, it should be interesting to see what we do this Saturday. Uh, but yeah, and St. Juice is, he's good for being how big he is. He's, I want to say six, four and you know, pretty tall. You, yeah. Usually you don't want corners who are that big because they don't move well, but for being, Oh, six, three, 200 pounds. But he, he apparently moves really well for being as big as he is. Yeah, he, he'll definitely help our secondary. So going from that, let's just talk about the rest of Washington. And oh, Before we go into that, did you see all of Jamar Chase's drops because he was yes. afraid of getting hit by Landon Collins? Wow. <laughs> I, I did see he was dropping everything. He dropped like three wide open balls. Uh. So, all right, I'm just going to go in and I'm going to say this now. I think Washington has a pretty good chance at winning the division only if you get decent quarterback play. And yeah. that's saying a lot with your starting quarterback being Ryan Fitzpatrick. You can come at me all you want yeah. with, oh, Ryan Fitzmagic. That has not never lasted more than four weeks in a season. It never has, has it? I'm going to say now. Tyler T- Taylor Heineke will be starting by week eight. I'm going to say that now. It won't surprise me. Um, like in Heineke's preseason, he has been able to get out of the pocket and extend plays, but I would like to see his throwing ability and footwork be improved a little bit. But yeah, I think our, I think our record is going to depend pretty much on our quarterback play. We don't need good quarterback play. That's the thing. We just need, decent to mediocre yes. like game manager i if think not, we can just throw like check downs and running like kirk cousins almost had, threw for five thousand yards just throwing check downs in that 2016 seasons he had less than 30 touchdowns but almost had five thousand yards we just need something like that just throw check downs i think uh so do do you want to start on the defense so do you want to go good or bad first um let's let's start with good all right so obviously the defense is the strong suit of this team and this division i mean your your defense is the strongest in the division easily uh probably with the giants being second the giants have a really like solid defense but they have no depth which we said that's one achilles i think uh they have blake martinez who is an absolute tackle machine but uh Going back to Washington, uh, you guys, I think the defense might honestly be a top five unit in the league. It won't surprise me. Your defensive line is probably a top three unit in the league, if not the top unit in the league, because yeah. everyone on that defensive line is a first round pick. And uh, we have two good backups and Matt Adonis, who could literally go to most teams and start, and Tim Settle, who's a pretty decent guy to bring off the bench. You also have Casey Tuhill, former Eagle. They drafted him last year in, like, the sixth <laughs> round. Uh, but, yeah, so your defensive line is absolutely insane. Your linebackers is where it's a little bit – your linebackers look a lot better than they did last year. That yes, is they, they do. That's the one thing. That we and really I think do. I think you're kind of relying a lot on Jamin Davis being as good as he looked. We are. Um, John Bostic 
decent. Cole Holcomb. Cole Holcomb, he's a good run defense kind of linebacker. Uh, so your linebackers are probably the sketchiest thing, the scariest thing there. But, I mean, even that isn't terrible. I mean, the, the Eagles linebackers are worse than that. That's Yeah, they're significantly worse. I'd say let me pull up the uh, let me pull up the Giants linebacking core because I'd say Washington off the top of my head I think Washington has the second best linebacking core in the in the division. Yeah, I'd say yeah they definitely have the second best because the the Giants have Blake Martinez but then they have like Tay Crowder a bunch of guys who they don't really who don't really know about. They run a 3-4. So they have Lorenzo Carter, Tay Crowder, Blake Martinez, O'Shane Zimines, and then Aziz, Aziz Olario or Oolari. I still don't know how to say that last name. So, yeah, I think Redskins have a second-best linebacker core in the division. You said the forbidden word, but, yeah. But on our secondary, I think that's where we've made the most improvements. Um like overall, because we we have Cam Curl who turned out to be a very good safety. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you can argue he should have been defensive rookie of the rookie of the year, or you can argue he should have been a pro bowler. And we're getting Landon Collins back. And on our secondary, we have Kendall Fuller. We added William Jackson the third, who looked good, and we have St. Juice, who's been playing very well. So like in our secondary, it doesn't need to be like Revis Island, every single player needs to be like that. We just need to be good enough because our def- defensive line is going to make things so much easier. Hold on, hold on. You're telling me you think Cameron Curl could have beat out uh could have beat out Chase Young for defensive rookie of the year. No, but he <laughs> conversation. I'm saying you could have made the argument. He he was a big surprise. Yeah, I people I people were saying like the safety from I think it was the Cardinals I don't remember his name but I know there's a safety who people saying should have been defensive rookie or sh- and should have been a pro bowler but Cameron Curlis had similar stats to him the only safety I can think of in Arizona is Buda Baker it might have been Buda Baker or somebody on the Panthers but I don't Buda, remember but Buda Baker wasn't a rookie so I'm trying to there's some safe rookie safety out there who Cam Curl had similar stats to Oh, was it? Hang on. I think I know who you're talking about. I'll look him up while we continue talking about that. Uh, but yeah, I think I know who you're talking about because I think the Eagles were looking at drafting him, but they didn't because the Eagles don't draft safeties. That's just not what they do. Jeremy Chin, that's the guy. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, Jeremy. People were saying that he should have been the offense or defensive rookie of the year and he should have been a pro bowler, but the stats of Cam Curl and him were very similar and cam curl had a few less games uh yeah jeremy chin had 68 solo tackles two forced fumbles an interception and five passes defended cam curl had three interceptions 61 tackles uh i don't think he had any uh forced fumbles and four passes defended so somewhat similar stats i think uh the two forced fumbles kind of gives uh Jeremy Chin a little bit of an edge over Cameron. Yeah, the slight edge. Yeah, but the fact that you got Cameron Curl at a seventh round pick and Jeremy Chin was a second round pick, that you guys have a little bit of an edge there. Yeah, 
yeah, we got a very good steal in that. And we have Landon Collins coming back. And if we really need to, we can put him in like a Jamal Adams kind of linebacker position because he can play both. Yeah, which actually would kind of – that help you with – um, you could throw Troy Apke in there or Jimmy Moore yeah. just throwing a second uh, – another another uh, defensive back in there and then move Landon Collins down to linebacker. So then yeah, you definitely. have an extra – you have Landon Collins who could play linebacker for the run – or he could drop back in coverage if he needs to for. Yeah, that. I prefer like if we're when we're going for our pass defense cup like coverages, I'd much rather have Apke in there and um, Landon Collins in at um, linebacker because if it ends up being play action, he, he's still fast and he could still get to the runner or the quarterback quite fast. Troy Apke, former Penn Stater. Uh, so yeah, I mean your defense is one of the best in the league top five unit most i'd say top five unit you you really kind of have to see how your linebackers perform before you can go saying that too much but yeah. uh yeah, you, you guys are pretty set at defense uh and then your offense i think honestly you guys have a pretty good offense i didn't realize you had adam humphreys yeah we we have adam humphreys um we have Curtis Samuel, we have um, Cam Sims, Terry McLaurin, we have Logan Thomas as our tight end, who's been looking very good. Um, we have a good running back core. The only shaky things is the offensive line. Like, they haven't really – like, it seems like when our first team was out there, Antonio Gibson was kind of struggling to find gaps. But Sam Cosme has been – has played very well when we put him in there. The only thing that's shaky is our offensive line and our quarterback – play obviously it should be interesting to see what happens because that is the biggest question mark while I think Fitz he can have a um he can have a good season it it's but it's really question mark oh and back on a wide receivers we have that guy from North Carolina who did you see who made that um moss like badge yeah so I have a very good wide receiver core yeah I think your wide receivers are really good you're, like you said, your linebacker – or not your linebackers, your linemen are a little shaky, but I think it's it's doable. It's better than the uh, Giants. The Giants have the, one of the worst lines. It's really bad. That's uh, why Saquon got hurt last year. And the year before that. Yeah. Uh, but you guys need quarterback is what you need. If your quarterback can play semi-decent – I think if your quarterback can pass – for maybe 3,500 yards, 3,500 3, yards on the season, I think you guys will be pretty set because you have pretty good running running backs, so you don't need to rely on only the pass. He just needs to throw, like, less than, I'd say, 15 interceptions. You don't need, like, 30 or 40 touchdowns. Like, you just need to limit your interceptions, get a decent amount of touchdowns, move the field down yard, and then – just let our running backs do a lot of the work because we have Antonio Gibson and Patterson who seem like they have been, can be good passing options. So there's always the check down. If you have, all right, I'm saying if your quarterbacks put together a season of 3,500 yards, 10 to 12 interceptions and 25 to 30 touchdowns, and then your running backs really perform, you're pretty much set. Yeah, that's what we need. We don't need this 
offense that's going to knock your knock your socks off. We just need a game manager, somebody who can slow the game down and just keep the ball in our possession. Just don't throw picks, Fitzpatrick. It's simple. Don't throw picks. You don't need to be tossing the ball down the field like you're Patrick Mahomes every play. It, it's picks, Patrick? Yeah, let's hope he doesn't turn Ryan into picks. Patrick? Patrick. <laughs> Picks Patrick. That's, that's a tongue twister right there. Picks Patrick. Patrick. Say that five times fast. I can't even say it one time normally. Picks Patrick. <laughs> that hurts to say. I think overall, you guys have a pretty good. Uh, you got about it. You got a triple-headed backfield, pretty much. Even though Antonio Gibson's the number one back, but I don't think he'll be the featured back. So I think you guys will have a triple-headed backfield back there. Yeah, um, he's more of a pass catcher than a runner. Well, he was a he was a slot receiver in college yeah. with Memphis. So uh, I think you have a pretty good running back. Overall, I think Washington is probably in the fight for the division with the Cowboys. But with the Cowboys, that's if Dak's arm thing. Yeah, that's that's like works out. Like, what even happened with Dak? Because all of a sudden they're seeing the Rangers and the Yankees about some random arm injury that we've never heard of happening in the NFL. I have no idea. Um. So, the I think you guys will be in a fight for the division. I think the division's overall a toss up. Like anyone can win yeah. any game, and but. Think you guys are in a fight for the division with the Cowboys. If Dak is healthy, if not, I think you guys have pretty good chance at the division as long as your quarterbacks aren't complete trash. Yeah, that, that pretty much what it boils down I, to. I would put them at first or second in the division. Yeah. Um, the Giants, I think that's a depending. I think they could fight for first as well. Um, I don't think they're the overall favorite. But yeah, the division certainly is going to be a toss-up. I don't think anybody can accurately predict, even, even with Washington looking as the most um, sustainable and best choice to win the division, you still don't know. And no team has won the division two years in a row since 02, 03, 04, when the Eagles won with Andy Reid. Yeah, so it's been a while since we've had a steady division. Yeah, so we'll, I think Washington's up there in the favorites, though, and we'll see how that plays out. Uh, also, something that we didn't really get to that we didn't look at, uh, Jamal Adams signed to a four-year $70 million contract, <laughs> which, hold on, before, before you laugh at that, how much is Landon Collins getting paid? Because I'm pretty sure he got a pretty nice payday from Washington, if I recall correctly. He got a nice payday, but I don't think he's getting four years, seventy million. He's no Jamal Adams is the highest paid safety yeah. in NFL history, I believe. I thought Landon was getting thirty, but I think Landon Collins has more than two interceptions in his career. Landon Collins is getting paid eighty-four million over six years. So that's, I want to say that's about twelve million. Let me do some calculations real quick, like that, huh? Yes, something like that. Probably, 14 million. So Landon Collins was the highest paid safety up until Jamal Adams. Yeah, but Jamal Adams, like, he can't catch, he doesn't catch interceptions. Yes, he's a good blitzer, but I saw the statistic that Vince Wolfirk, 
and Jason Pierre-Paul have more career interceptions than Jamal Adams, a man who plays safety. Safety. Landon Collins has nine career interceptions, which is still more than Jamal Adams. It's seven more. But uh, they're both box safeties who want to play linebacker. Yeah. But don't want to be, but don't want the commitment of being on the inside of the line. That's yeah. what I see them as. But yeah, I think Jamal Adams was overpaid. I'm glad the Eagles didn't trade for him when he was looking to get out of a. Yeah, I I remember I remember that when the Eagles were looking at trading for Jamal Adams, and it was it, seems... it looked like a serious a serious thing for a few weeks. It seems like in every sport, whenever a major name is out there. Philadelphia is always in the mix. Yeah, when that's Bryce, so strange. When Bryce Harper was out, the Phillies obviously were in the mix since, you know, he's now Philly. Yeah. Uh, J- when Jamal Adams was out there, the Eagles were in the mix. When uh, Seth Jones. Seth Jones, the Flyers were in the mix. Uh, I mean, every time there's a major name. Dougie Hamilton, he was in the Flyers mix. Deshaun Watson, the Eagles yeah. are in the mix. So, I mean, they, they are in the mix for everything. They don't care about their cap space ever. Yeah, and what's it with all these players wanting to go to Philadelphia? It's one of the toughest places to play because your fans are so unfair. It's such a brutal. There have been so many players that start in Philly and are terrible and then leave and go somewhere else, and they're able to succeed because Philly is such a harsh fan base to be behind. But I mean, if you can embrace it and like actually be able to play for it, like Brian Dawkins was or McNabb, or like if you're actually able to excel in there, like you're pretty set because i mean philadelphia is probably one of the most loyal fan bases overall in loyal my- and stereotypically dangerous i hey i'm not saying anything towards that i <laughs> from that. i you're afraid I'm, I'm not a bad philadelphia fan okay i have never thrown anything at santa anything. claus i've never thrown anything in anyone's direction as hatred um yeah, I, I'm a good Philadelphia fan. We're not all bad, okay? We're not all bad. <laughs> not all if you throw throw things at Santa Claus or throw wristbands for your dead owner on the ice. Uh, yeah, that was another bad day. The, uh, that the, wasn't the brightest of times. The Braves, the Braves were playing the Phillies one, one day, and uh, it was super windy, so trash started to blow on the field. And the Braves announcers were like, oh, uh, a bunch of trash is flying onto the field. Phillies must feel at home. They were in Georgia or in Atlanta. <laughs> I was not happy about that. It's kind uh, of funny though. And then, but yeah, I mean, Philadelphia does not allow their teams to be bad. Like it, you cannot be bad in Philadelphia. You you can take one or two bad years, but after that, you need to be back on top of your stuff. Uh, but with that, I think we're pretty much done with the NFL. We did our washington overview uh moving on to the nhl first off i want to start by saying condolence giving our condolences to kevin hayes and the rest of the hayes family for the loss of kevin's brother jimmy who was an nhl player uh it hasn't been released on how he passed but he passed at the age of 29 far too young uh and unfortunate event that of course, you don't wish upon anybody, but our condolences out to the Hayes family for that. Uh, but moving on from that, uh, Henrik Lundqvist, another league thing. Henrik Lundqvist retires, which long live the king. Uh, long live the king. He, I remember a decent amount of playoff series playing against him and us losing and 
being really annoyed at Henrik Lundqvist, but it's sad we didn't get to see him play one more game. It kind of ended abruptly. It seemed like he's going to play for us, and then that heart issue that really came out of nowhere, it seemed like he still wanted to play, like he wanted to have at, at least one more try to get to a cup, but it's just it's sad how it ended. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was an absolute tank. I hated playing against him, but I mean, I did too. The uh, Rangers have some pretty good backup with him being gone still. I mean, uh, who's there? Georgiev. Yeah, Georgiev. And uh, who's the rookie from last year? It's another Russian guy. I can't know. Half the goalies are Russian nowadays. Oh my gosh. Why can't I think of his name? I play, um, I play NHL and I got drafted to the Rangers, which I'm not too fond about. So I see this guy's name all the time and I can't think of, think of his name. Uh, and I'm going to be so mad when I do see it. And Igor Shesterkin, that's his name. That's the guy. Shesterkin is an absolute monster too. Uh, so he's got some big shoes to fill with Henrik retiring. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist, he had 459 wins. He Oh, he never broke the 500 mark. Yeah. That's kind of unfortunate. Uh, but 459 wins, 310 losses. His years where, uh, where the Rangers were trash kind of broke him. Uh, so 310 losses, 96 overtime losses. I want to see his... He had a 918 career save percentage. It's pretty good. 64 shutouts and a 243 goals against average. I don't really like looking at goals against because that's kind of a team stat more than it is a goalie stat. Yeah, it doesn't really take into account if your defense is crap. So 243 isn't terrible, but at the same time, it's not great. So, yeah, but- like I said, I don't really like looking at the stats. It's more of a team stat, something that the team can help avoid. But 918 save percentage, career save percentage is insane. Uh, And then I wanted to look at where was his – oh, here it is. He was on the all-rookie team first. Uh, He was on an all-star six times, and he won an Olympic Olympic gold medal with Sweden. I really wanted to see him win a cup is what I wanted to see. Yeah, it was nice to see him win with the Caps, but no. I would have rather him win with the Caps than the Rangers, honestly. Yeah, the, well, the Rangers aren't going to be to that point a decent amount of time anyway. I don't know. The Rangers look pretty solid. I don't they're think they're solid, but I don't think they're going to be a cup contender. Yeah. Uh, he did win the Vesna in the 11-12 season, too. But, uh, yeah, I don't think the Rangers are close to a – cup anytime soon but they're have a decent team they have a good base so yeah uh Henrik Lundqvist retiring which is quite unfortunate uh and then just a couple other things uh the Flyers signed Travis Sanheim who was the last RFA that they had to get signed they signed him to a two-year 9.35 million dollar deal and then they just signed Derek Broussard to a one-year 825,000 dollar deal which is just a signing for some center depth. He probably won't even play that much between yeah, him and Nate Thompson. That's they're probably they're probably going to spend a lot of time more down in the affiliates than 
because I know they want to try to get Morgan Frost up in the NHL. And then in hockey, that's pretty much it. Yeah. We, you know what surprised me? The Caps really haven't done anything with how yeah, I thought we were going to like pretty much restart almost the entire team, but we haven't done anything. We haven't gotten any younger. We haven't really changed the core at all. Yeah, with I know you. there's rumors out there that a lot of our stars were playing with injuries in the playoffs, and that could have contributed to our sluggish, crappy play, but who, who knows? Who, who knows? Yeah, I thought you guys would start to, like, kind of just get rid of players and try to get out as much as you can because of the fact that your cap is so bad. But, yeah, you guys really haven't done much. Washington overall hasn't done much. Yeah, we really haven't. <laughs> Since the uh, NHL dead or an M- MLB deadline, where we blew up our entire team, which yeah, I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good transition there because we pretty much finished NHL there with uh, talking about the signings because nothing's going on right now. Um, but you guys have Seth Romero promoted to AAA. I have no idea who that is. I want to say he was a first round pick. Josiah Gray has had like a 2.84 ERA with us. He's actually that's actually not bad. Good. He's yeah, looking he pretty good. He's fun to watch pitch, but we lost to the Marlins last night because wow. Edwin Cabrera got like he pitched like seven or eight innings and in like fifty something pitches. It was some. It was some crazy like that where he got a lot of innings and little amount of pitches. But yeah, I think we're gonna be last in the division by the end of the year. And you, you guys think the Phillies will be second or first? That is that's, – that's a rough subject right now, all right? Uh, the, the Phillies were – they won eight straight games, and in those eight games they scored 55 runs. Since after that, after the nine games after that, they went two and seven and scored 21 runs in nine games. How do you go from 55 runs to 21? If you guys finish second in the division, like, could they give the Cy Young an MVP to, to um, so Zach Wheeler and Bryce Harper? Like, would that be like a conflict for the I, league to give their two biggest awards in the NL to a team that didn't make the playoffs? That would have to be the first time in MLB history that that happened. I, and, but at that point, I think they would maybe try and give the MVP to Joey Votto. I think Fernando, Fernando Tatis is still the leader. He, but he hasn't played enough games. But if yeah, the has. Reds – back. I know he's back, but has he, has he played, like, the right amount of games? I see what you're saying, but, I mean, he – I don't think he was out enough to be considered to not have the right amount of games. But would you put him an MVP over somebody like Joey Votto? Who yeah, is, I think he's he, still. I think he's still the leader over Votto. I think Votto. I think Votto, like players like Votto, Max Muncie. I think they kind of have a lesser chance of getting it compared to players like Bryce Harper and Fernando Tatis because Votto and Max Muncie, yeah, they're good at hitting home runs and they're good at de- defense. But what else do you need? Fernando Tatis and Bryce Harper add a little bit of flair to the base running too. The Padres lead the league in stolen bases. Bryce Harper has 12. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head how many 
Fernando Tatis has, but they they have the yes, 24 stolen bases this year. Yeah, so they they have a little bit more flair in their game than a player who can just hit the ball deep. Which I mean, don't get me wrong, hitting home runs is fun to watch too. And but they have a little bit more because they can get around the bases quicker. That's what I think. I think the MVP has a little bit more of a edge towards players who can get around quicker and make the game a little bit more fun, in my opinion. I don't like doing that because I think it, that just comes down to who's more flashy of a player. It, I still think it should be who's the best play, who's most valuable to their team. But, yeah, looking at Tatis's like, if you're just looking stats, he has 35 homers, 24 stolen bases. He's hitting like 280. I think he is the front runner now that he's come back. Um, then followed by Votto just for the fact that the Phillies may stay at second in the division, not even make the playoffs, then Harper. Just for the fact that Harper was a national and you're still bitter that he left. I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> I just think it's funny. It's funny to boom. It's fun. It, like, uh-huh. I really don't care at this point. But and, I'd, I would, I just think the league would, if you were to do head up Votto versus Harper, if the Phillies don't make the playoffs, I just will find it difficult to understand or think that they'll give it to Harper, whose team didn't make the playoffs. Uh, and I also don't think that it's a, uh, I don't think that it's as much of, like who has more flash? I think they just add a because you were saying who's more valuable to their team, and I think a player who can move around the bases quicker is more valuable than someone who can just hit home runs here and there. Like Fernando Tatis hits home runs and he can get around the bases quicker because he can steal well. He runs quicker. Same with Bryce Harper, Joey Votto. You will not see Joey Votto steal any bases. Um, unless the catcher is like, I was going to say, unless it's, unless it's a pass ball or a wild pitch, Joey Votto is not. It would still be close play at the plate. Uh, but, oh, and the Phillies got swept by the Diamondbacks. That's sad. That's really sad. They're the worst team in the league. Well, actually, no, I think the Orioles have overtaken that because they lost like 19 straight games. Yeah, they lost 19 straight and then beat Angels. <laughs> they beat the Angels and Shohei Otani yesterday. That is just so Orioles. I I just saw a TikTok from the Orioles official page, and it was like playing the AL MVP. And then it's like, but here come the Orioles with 19 straight losses and a camping <laughs> attitude. I was like, what is this? <laughs> it's just so ugh. And the Yankees have come out of nowhere, no for oh taking the, the Red Sox. Like the Red Sox were looking like they were going to run away with the division. Then the Yankees just came out of nowhere and like we're going to lead now. The Yankees helped out the Phillies a lot because they just swept the uh, swept the Braves while the Phillies got swept by the Rays. So uh, they, yeah, and like you said, the Zach Wheeler probably still the front runner for the Cy Young, but they kept him in too long yesterday. He yeah. he pitched. He was pitching into the ninth inning. He probably should have been taken out in the eighth. Yeah, I'm not sure what they were doing with that. I think that was a then, kind of a stupid decision. Because then he gave up two base hits and then a home run, which we ended up losing off of 7-4. But the, the Phillies, 
have a pretty easy schedule for the rest of the season, which is why I still do like our odds with being able to come back and possibly win the division because the teams we have left are teams like, I know we play the Diamondbacks starting tonight. We have a series against the Diamondbacks. I know for the rest of the, uh, for the rest of the year, we have like, we, I know we have a series against the Orioles. We have a series against, we have a couple series against the like nationals against the Marlins. I know we have one more against the Braves, which would be a very pivotal one, but that's like the week before the season ends. Uh, we have yeah. one or two more against the Mets. So we have a couple like vital series with um, the Mets and the Braves. But other than that, we have, oh, we have Milwaukee, Chicago. Milwaukee's going to be tough. But other than that, it's like Milwaukee, Chicago, Arizona, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, pretty easy teams. So I like our schedule going down the stretch, going into the, uh, going towards the end of the year. Whereas the Braves have a lot of tough teams. They have a lot of tough teams, but they're so hot right now. And you're five games back, so you really can't afford to lose. Yeah, you really can't. Like, you cannot afford to continue this losing like you have been. It really could be the division decider. The the Braves start out the next one with the Giants, their next series. That's going to be tough. That is not what I wanted to click. Uh, I know they start out with the Giants. Where is their schedule? There it is. Um, yeah, the Giants are going to be tough. Like I said, they have the Phillies later in the season, which will definitely decide the division if it hasn't been decided by then. Um, I'm waiting for these schedule to load, but I know they still – I know they have Colorado too. I know we have a series against Colorado too, I believe. So you have the Giants and then the Dodgers and then the Rockies and then the Nationals, the Marlins, the Rockies again, the Giants, the, and then the Padres and then the Phillies. So they still have a lot of tough uh, matchups left. Do you see the uh, Braves could make MLB history? How? They uh, – they could be the first team in MLB history to have every player on their infield hit 30 home runs. Damn. The Dansby Swanson has 25. Austin Riley and Freddie Freeman both have 27. And the only thing that would possibly be holding them back is Ozzy Albies because he has 22. And he's not really a home run hitter. But that's still pretty impressive that that's even – possible of happening they have 30 37 games left i want to say is what it was and considering i after ozuna had his issue and ronald Acuna got hurt for the rest of the season i legitimately thought that this year was going to be right off for them considering how bad their pitching has been at times but after the all-star break they're just like we're let's decide to play good yeah they've really gotten hot uh where is so they're 68 and 58 in first. We're five games back at 63 and 63. Then the Mets are 61 and 65, who completely dropped off. The Mets yeah. absolutely forgot how to play baseball. Yeah. Their um, overrated infield hasn't really been helping. Baez and, and Lindor. Did you see that slide from Baez, though, when they were playing the 
Dodgers where he just kind of drifted into second base. But I also saw a video of Javi Baez swinging at what could possibly be the worst pitch I've ever seen swung at. It was low in the zone, and he was so early. Like, the ball got to the plate as, like, pretty much when he finished his swing. That's how bad it was. Um, like Washington, who's pretty much out of the race now, 54 and 71. Yeah, we're, we're not doing anything if we and then do. Miami, bringing up the rear at 52 and 75. It's going to be an interesting month of baseball. Yeah, it really should be really interesting to watch. I'm not going to say fun for Washington. Well, maybe not even fun for Phillies fans if you guys start sucking and it's down to the wire. But Dude, oh my gosh, you have no idea. This will be 10 years straight. Imagine we miss the playoffs for 10 years straight, get the MVP and the NL Cy Young. Oh, my yeah. gosh. That'll be miserable. And back when I said on the MVP, like being a team on a team doesn't make the playoffs, that my point I realize is kind of stupid because Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the Jays aren't making the playoffs. Neither are the Angels. Like, they're already out of the race. Uh, so, I, I was talking a bunch of crap. It seems like, yeah, but the Blue Jays are 66 and 59. They're 12 games back. And above them, they have the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Rays. And then in the AL West, the Angels are 63 and 66 with 13 games back. Yeah, they're not making the playoffs. The you Mariners know, are better than them. I was I was gonna say, you know who kind of surprised me this season? The Mariners. Yeah, they're actually not bad. They're better than the Angels. Yeah, they they were kind of a big surprise. Houston has kind of I haven't seen anything on Houston all season. Like they're the top of the uh AL West, but I haven't seen anything on them. I'm you know sure that they've been good. You know what's impressive? That we are the only division whose division leader does not have over 70 wins. Yeah. Yeah, and meanwhile, the NOS has two 80-game winners and the Padres about to hit 70. And uh, in the Toronto would be fighting for a playoff spot in the NL East right now. Yeah, they would be. But now they're fourth with 12 games back in their division. This reminds me of like when I was watched closely to the, I was watching closely the NHL, like getting towards the playoff race. And like the Pacific division was so bad and the Metro was so good that the Flyers were fourth in the division, but they would have been first in the Pacific. Yeah, that's, it's very similar to what it, what it's going to be. Yeah. Toronto would be two games back. Yeah. Two games back of the, uh, of the Braves right now, if they were in the NL East. But I think with that, uh, I think that's all I got. Anything else you got? No, that's all I got. All right. Well, with that, I think we will go ahead and get out of here. Uh, We'll have another one out next week. So we will see you guys then. See you guys later. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of Brotherly Love in the District. Come back again next week for another episode. Feel free to leave a rating and review for us to see and make the podcast more the way you want to hear it. You can check out the video version of this podcast on our YouTube, Brotherly Love in the District. Follow our Instagram at BL in the DC, where we post scores of Philly and Washington games along with big news updates, trades, and signings. 
If you have a question or topic you want us to discuss on the show, DM our Insta at BLInTheDC or email us at BLInTheDC at gmail.com. Finally, I just want to give a huge thank you to all the people that listen weekly and keep coming back. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you on the next one.